0: I know there was a photo circulating on X, the different amount of runs year to year. I want to ask you, what do you think has caused this offensive surge? I don't know if you heard this rumor, Mm -hmm. but. Welcome back to softball speak easy episode three and boy do we have a good episode for you we'll talk duke's four and a weekend in miami the absolute scoring parade that was clearwater florida we'll continue our no dumb questions segment and finally we'll answer some very interesting listener questions at the end of the show if you're new here my name is rain wilson and i'm a former duke softball player turned analyst and broadcaster and i'm kelly torres current catcher on duke softball team Softball Speakeasy is a podcast that will go behind the curtain and give you an inside look into Duke's 2024 campaign. We'll be following storylines throughout the college softball season and will aim to give you next level access into what it's like to play college softball at the Division One level. Mm hmm. And keep your eye out for the bonus episode we just shot with Peyton St. George and Caroline Jacobson, both professional softball players with Athletes Unlimited. That will come out in the next couple of weeks. To make sure you don't miss that, follow us at SB SP Speak Easy. New episodes every Wednesday. So Kelly, what a what a great week Duke has had. I mean, five and zero in the entire week. You have a great midweek matchup against North Dakota State, and you hit three grand slams in that game. Scored eighteen runs. Just take me through that game. Yeah, that game was. a electric
1: let me tell you first inning 11 runs unheard of at least in my career unheard, unheard of. of. Bases loaded. I came up to bat. Like you said, I hit my first ever grand salami.
0: Woo woo. It,
1: it was oppo. I saw outside pitch. I was like, ah, ah, she. I was like, let me just swing as hard <laughs> as I could right now. Oppo taco ended up being grand slam, but then Anna comes back and this is now her second at bat of the inning. The bases loaded again. It hits another grand slam and we were just like, Whoa. <laughs> like dugout was going insane. Like two grand slams in one inning, let alone 11 runs in that inning. It was a very fun game to be a part of, and then later in that game, Anna comes back up again with bases loaded. I would have walked her. I'm sorry. If you ever see, <laughs> yeah, just look yeah. at Anna on deck. Anna swinging a bat on deck just scares me. Yeah, Anna comes back up, hits another grand slam. So she had two in one game.
0: Wow. I mean, your first grand slam. Are you kind of like, come on, Anna? Like, can't you have an off night? Like, you got hit <laughs> You you hit one. I'm like, okay, but you hit two. I know, and then there was this crazy stat that came out. Not
1: only was it two grand slams, it was also like a hundredth RBI, hundredth hit, a oh, hundred yes. runs scored. Yes. I was just like, "Yeah, oh no!" But then I was like, uh. "I mean, I." <laughs> was also my first grand slam
0: yeah congratulations on the first grand slam that is absolutely (laughs) epic and you took that offense into the weekend you all went down to Miami which is where Mm -hmm. you're from you went 4-0 most games don't look competitive based on the box score but I know Mm -hmm. the game against Rutgers was close for nearly the entire game so can you take me through the Rutgers game
1: Rutgers pitcher was lights out she was a transfer from LSU had this nasty drop in that was really getting us and like you said the box score doesn't really show it was four to one at the end and we really had to use our other tools which was fun to see we did some short game stuff later in the in the seventh inning and it was really fun to see how we just had calm confidence we didn't go we didn't have the highs we didn't have the lows we just kind of came stayed constant and that helped us come out in the seventh inning and win
0: yeah did you all have any I don't want to say come to Jesus moments mm-hmm. in the game where like coach brings the team to the side of the dugout and is like yo we're down one run like or, did y'all have that moment in the in the in the game that you turn things around or was just hey like trust the process yeah
1: I think when we have those come to Jesus moments when we're all like we get in a little meeting we're like we need to work I think that yeah. makes us all stressed like we get mm-hmm. really tight this is like our mm-hmm. thing we like tighten up with our fists and we need to remember to breathe and let go and I Mm -hmm. think the fact that we didn't have that and that we're just like let's keep doing us and it will come really helped us
0: yeah absolutely because it's not like at any point in the game you're not trying. Like every time you come in from from defense, everyone gets together, has a commu- like communicates about, you know, what you saw. But it's a little different team to team what you talk about when you come off the field. Can you describe what you all kind of talk about when you get three outs, you come, you're about to get into the dugout and you have a little kind of meeting? Let's
1: say three outs just happen or coming off defense.
0: First thing that happens is we're all giving
1: each other high fives. High fives, high fives, yeah. high fives. We come back in and then it's probably D – Let's see, me, someone, someone makes a joke. We're all like, hey, girls, like in a really weird voice. And we're just like, (laughs) we're just like absolute fools. And then we just have little things like push one or let's get the bats hot. Let's compete. We kind of have like a focus word and that'll be our like, let's say it's compete. We want competitive at-bats. We don't care if we're getting out we want them hard on the ground we don't want fly pop-ups in the infield right so I think that's our thing is like what's our focus and let's put all of our effort into that
0: is there ever moments that I don't want to say you all get fired up for each other but that sort of Mm -hmm. intense like not just the normal routine like average meeting before the dugout but that those more intense moments do you all have those yes we definitely do I don't <laughs> think it came out this last weekend
1: yeah. I think when it's like high emotions like a game against Oklahoma we definitely yeah. had one of those moments where we're just like all fired up emotions are on you know a hundred percent at this time
0: yeah and it, I know it was a special weekend for you for a number of reasons you offensively played amazing defensively played amazing as well but you also went home So talk Mm -hmm. about being home. Talk about seeing the cavalry in the stands rooting for you. Talk Uh, about talk about that. Well, it was beautiful, Rain. Like
1: looking up in the stands and seeing my 8U coach, she flew in, trainers throughout the years, all my like friends, parents who had to take me to camps or take me to tournaments. I, I couldn't do it without any of them. And it's cool when I like watched the home run again or the grand slam I've been working and training for that hit for that moment for so long and i it's not even like i can credit myself it's like everyone got me to that moment my trainer my coach in 8 you who taught me how to throw the ball got me to this moment uh, it, i get i'm getting goosebumps right now it was so me too. full me too. circle
0: yeah absolutely because people outside of athletics especially outside of college athletics they they might not understand that it takes a village does. to send someone to a division one program or any any program actually mm-hmm. it takes parents dedicating hours and hours to take you to this place travel coaches who invest their time and so to see your village I know it wasn't even close to everybody in that village yeah. but to see part of your village in the stands and for you to perform the way you did I I'm, I'm getting emotional even thinking about it. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're as, as emotional yeah. as I am if not more
1: I know when I hit the home run against Rutgers my grandpa before the game was like hit the home run on for me because you know he's he's a hispanic so that's how he would say yeah. it. and then when i was rounding third and i see them i was like Parati!" Oh, para
0: that's what i was screaming oh, <laughs> that's know. amazing dude your family and all your entire village should be so proud of you they're too. crazy rain I mean- they
1: they ordered shirts so my dad i made <laughs> like you know i do a little bit of graphics kt8 designs if you guys anyone want logos shout but out. Shout out. i made a, like a little graphic sent it to my dad and there's this running joke in my village like you said about that's my daughter. My dad, since I was eight years old, if anyone did get on the team, whether it was Janai, Kristen, like any of my fellow teammates, he'd scream, <laughs> That's my daughter. So he had like 20 daughters on the damn team because everyone was his daughter. And so the back of the shirt said, That's my daughter. And it was so funny because everyone who pulled up, like my friends pulled up, coaches, anyone was wearing a shirt that said, that's my daughter on the back. So shout out to all of my moms and dads out there who came and supported. It's
0: very nice. That's amazing. And not only did they just there to support you, even if, say, you weren't playing, I know they would be there supporting you mm-hmm. anyway. But not only did you play, but you played pretty well. And mm-hmm. in fact, knock on wood. You're leading the team in average, batting 500 on the year. That is my co-host, Kelly Torres, batting 500 on the year. (laughs) And another thing, too, is I want to bring up. Bring it up. Is I know (laughs) you have been told that you're a small catcher.
1: Oh, yes.
0: I know maybe someone's told you you're too small. What do you have to say to the catchers, the young catchers out there, the young players out there that people are telling them they're too small?
1: There is no such thing. I love softball Mm -hmm. because it's not like basketball where you need to be six foot. Like you kind of actually have to like in softball. It's the fight that's inside the dog. You can be a chihuahua. Those chihuahuas are they're feisty. All right. Be a chihuahua if you're small. Like if you're going up there with fire, you're just going to be that little rascal. I'm going to be a hard out. That's kind of my goal this year. And I I hope to stick to it.
0: And I also want to bring you back to about a week before the season. You had hurt your foot very recently. We're at the scrimmage and I want to get real here because I think this is a great lesson for any young player out there or any human being out there. You hit that adversity right before, you know, your final season, the one season that you really want to show out for. And you were nervous. You were anxious. You weren't yourself. Even during your at-bats, you had fine at-bats, but you, you came out We had a conversation like, Oh, well, you know, I'm not feeling great. Like, what did you see? And then, from that anxiety, I know you pulled it together mm-hmm. and to see where you are now, to be batting 500 to start the year, but talk about the the transition from being anxious, uncertain to then where you are now. So like you said, that foot injury,
1: that was scary. I've never, I get hit by balls all the time. I mean, you're a catcher, you get hit 24 seven. It's kind of the job. So it was before practice, I was doing machine work, hit myself in the foot. Then I continued to go to practice because I'm like... Season's in five days. I need to grind now. You know, there's no time to take a day off. And so I practice on that foot and the adrenaline was high. So it hurt, but I was like, I was putting weight on it. And then they took me out of practice after I was like wobbling to a pass ball. And they're like, right. Kelly, what are you doing? Go to the treatment room. And I can't put weight on it afterwards. I was so scared. I was frightened. Like you said, I had yeah. so much anxiety. And then two days later, scrimmage happens. Still not okay. I was just praying, honestly. I was, I was praying. I was doing all my recovery. I was walking it, on it as best as I could, just hoping that it will be okay when season comes. Season came, and I'm glad I trusted that process. I'm glad I didn't take the day off. Honestly, I, I should have maybe, but I'm glad I didn't because it was another day of just reps and showing that I can show up
0: even if I wasn't 100%. Absolutely, and I think it's a good testament to young players out there that you just have to stick to the process. And that doesn't mean that you will end up batting 500 and leading a top five team offensively. That does not mean that. But you have to put the work in to mm-hmm. even allow yourself the opportunity to be in that position, which you did. For young players out there, just because you're anxious, does just because you're hurt, just because you have doubts, does not mean you won't be successful. It doesn't mean you will either, but it doesn't mean you (laughs) won't. So just stick to the process yes. and good things happen when you do that. And the one
1: thing you can't control is time, right? So it's like time, my foot needed time to get to where you want to be. It's going to take time and you can't control that. So you just need to every day stick to the process
0: and it'll come. Absolutely. And not only did you have a great weekend with the bat and with that foot, but (laughs) you also were a part of a battery this weekend that absolutely crushed it. One Mm -hmm. run given up through five games. Can you talk about the mindset of the pitching staff right now and sort of what you saw from them this past week? Yeah,
1: it was a very great collective win. I really saw the pitching staff work together. Sophie had a lot of innings. Danny had a lot of innings. Lily coming in, Cass, and Jayla. I mean, all five were used. And it's fun when that happens because they're so different. So I'm like, I want the season to... Pan out in the way that all five are being used because I think that's going to just bring us so much further in the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think all of them really complement each other very Mm -hmm. well. On the other side of things, across softball, the pitchers didn't have as good of a week as your staff did. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the hitting parade that was in Clearwater and the football scores. I'm going to read out some scores. And I know you were busy playing all weekend, but I was busy watching a lot of these games. (laughs) And it was an offensive show LSU Northwestern 13 to 12 UCLA FSU 14 to 10 Minnesota Georgia Tech 12 to 11 Stanford Georgia Tech 15 to 7 UCF Wisconsin 21 to 9 Georgia FSU 20 to 10 and I know there was a photo circulating on X about the different amount of runs year to year 2020 to 2023, right around an average for the Thursday and Friday games was in the 170s. 2024, Thursday, Friday games, same amount of games, 276 runs scored. So I want to ask you, what do you think has caused this offensive surge? Well, I have a couple theories. One is pitching staff is very
1: young across the Mm -hmm. board. We see a lot of fifth-year COVID seniors that programs rode on for so long. Now they're graduated. And honestly, the rest of their pitchers didn't have enough innings, enough experience. And now we kind of see this inexperienced pitching staff. And the hitters didn't take a day off. The hitters have been hitting. So we see a little shift. It's not 50-50 right now. It could be like hitters are up here. Pitching is a little bit lower. My other theory is that the softball... I don't know if you heard this rumor, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. softballs are changed this year. And there's a little Ooh, yes. rumor rumor in the grapevine that at the Clearwater Invitational, they weren't using the new softball. So the softballs that they were using were hard. They were the ones from last year, and they're able to fly. They're popping off the bat. That could be it.
0: And I can read the rule. So the brand-new rule says to standardize ball specifications with NFTs, HS and USA softball to a maximum compression of 275 to 375 pounds required implementation by January 1st, 2024. Mm -hmm. So to your point, yeah, the balls are supposed to be to that specification this year. And there's the rumor going around that Clearwater had the old ones. Yeah. So, Even then, that's still It doesn't match up, right? Because yeah. the years before, exactly. they scored less. Now exactly. this year. But but I, I agree 100% about the pitching staffs. So when you when you have people like Catherine Sandercock leave, Megan Framo leave, mm-hmm. and a bunch others, you're going to leave a vacuum in your pitching staff. And I also think the offenses are getting better. So we'll see. But that was, I mean, what a wild weekend in Clearwater and so many home runs i know pitchers necks were hurting i was like pshw, no
1: pshw. i haven't seen 230 plus games in a very long time that's that's crazy amount of runs scored in a softball game
0: but speaking of Clearwater 2024 and the level of access to our sport here in February which is an amazing thing to have Clearwater be on ESPN SEC Network Longhorn Network in February is amazing for our sport and it's also amazing for people who might not know our sport which brings us to our next segment no dumb questions So these are the questions that the average person who doesn't know the sport of softball might be wondering when they're watching the game. So I have to ask you one, Kelly, that I heard this past weekend, and it is, does everyone have to wear visors? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, especially, I mean, my no. position, you will never see me in a visor. Maybe we can like, <laughs> I don't know, duct tape, maybe hot glue a little visor on my mask out there. But also, I, I we played FIU this past weekend and their shortstop was wearing a baseball cap. So that's, yeah. that's rare. That can happen though. It's not a rule. Everyone just thinks it's cute to wear visors and you can kind of see your game day hair.
0: Yeah, you don't have to wear visors unless you are on a team that you have to wear visors, which was, I believe my freshman year at JMU, we had to wear visors. Oh. But I've always been a visor girl. I've always loved them. Oh, visor girl! Don't want my dome getting red. Well, that's, that's why you do sure. the slick back. You kind of cover a little bit of the forehead. No, you. But you, girl, have you have you seen my hair on game day? <laughs> like my hair is put up another thing to note actually this kind of goes into the next question okay why are there so many different types of braids
1: you know you want to stick out that's my answer you kind of want to stick out like i did cornrows over in mexico i don't know if you saw it was actually in our last episode or you do the two (laughs) french braids i like i'm a big fan of the bubble because i have a big ponytail so the bubbles look Mm -hmm. good you just kind of want to spice it up
0: Yeah. And it's I was explaining it's a way to express yourself. And I was also explaining for people not like involved in the game to at this like extent, it's like in the locker room, like for male coaches out there, maybe there's always like a way that people's hair is braided. For example, Kyla Morris, shout out Kyla Morris, would braid a good eight, nine girls hair before the game. Yes. It's Lily Walker
1: this year. Like Lily has, you need to book an appointment. Like I am asking Lily to do my hair well in advance. Like it is breakfast. And I'm like, Lily, let me get on that list so I can have my hair done (laughs) prior to the meeting.
0: And at the end of the season, girls start getting really superstitious about who does their hair Mm -hmm. and when and like how they do their hair. So it's a whole thing. One thing I know, no one ever asked me to do their hair. There's always a token lesbian that does their hair. (laughs) That's me.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yes, right. I will never come to you for hair. Let's <laughs> we'll just put that out there.
0: Listen, I can do a, I do a standard braid. I do, I like a standard braid, but also just throw my hair out, put a visor on and, and that works really well. But this next question is what is the black stuff under the eyes? <laughs> the black stuff under the eyes. Oh, you know,
1: TikTok but doesn't really do eye black. Now that I'm thinking about it, we should.
0: Yeah. When I was there, I wore it all the time. I was like obsessed with it, but I think, I think it's like out of style. And I had this thought today where I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to look back at pictures and you're going to be able to date me. you be <laughs> like, oh, she played then when they were like wearing eye black you know because yeah. like I haven't seen it much this year at all you know what should we bring it back should we bring back I think you should black? bring back I also think Michaela Edenfield at FSU oh, she's yes. she's changing the game with the makeup she really is and it started with just eyeshadow and now it's like
1: full-blown face so cool yeah it's so cool I wonder how long that takes like you know you have the meeting like two and a half hours before the game no not even three hours and you want to get ready an hour before so that's four hours before the game that you're getting mm-hmm. ready I wonder when she starts her process so she's able to do that
0: that actually leads us to the next question which is perfectly timed well done my co-host Kelly Torres it is why do you have to get to the field so early <laughs> honestly
1: I want the answer to this I mean we warm up then we have BP then we have lines. Then the other team has lines. Somewhere in between there, you have to throw, you know, you have to do your dailies, have your team powwow, wow. Pitchers got to go mm-hmm. in the bullpen. Not to mention you have to get
0: there eight hours before then to do early <laughs> BP, optional, optional early BP, BP optional. optional. <laughs> and then you maybe look at film and then you mm-hmm. eat and you're all, I mean, of course you're hanging out, you're having fun, but like literally on a three o'clock game, You're there at 9 a.m. probably, maybe 10. Mm -hmm. And then that's
1: when everyone's in the locker room. They put the music on. Everyone's getting ready. Honestly, that's the fun part. When you're home and you're in the locker room getting ready, you know, you see it on TikTok all the time or Instagram reels where it's like, I don't even like going out. I only like getting ready with the girls. Like that's the equivalent to softball players. So
0: true. And then our final no dumb question of the episode is, can you go to the bathroom during the game? (laughs) You can,
1: but you need to time it up you well. You need to time it up. Well. Time it all up. All right. So if I'm up to bat and I'm like, okay, I really need to go. But then I'm the last out and I have to rush to get my gear on and I'm like squeezing the cheeks behind home plate. So then I'm like, all right, uh, three outs. You know, you're like, yeah, throw them back to the pitcher real fast. Like, let's go. But like, everyone's like, she's mm-hmm. hyped. And I'm like, I just got to go to the bathroom. And then you run into the bathroom. That's probably the time you can go when you just finish your at bat. There's nine people behind you. But you gotta make sure you're quick because you could go back on defense in three outs.
0: And remember travel ball having to like run to the concession stand and it's hot and yeah. you're like asking people to go in front of them. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm playing right now.
1: I know. And then it's oh. just like the sweat on the back of the legs. And oh, then, all right. The no AC. Sorry, everyone.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. The no AC <laughs> I'm in the bathroom. Trying to the give you next level access here. <laughs> Next level access into life.
1: Unfiltered. We said that unfiltered. in the beginning of the episode. You're going to get us unfiltered.
0: And speaking of unfiltered and the questions you all might be having out there, let's go to our listener questions. So we got a ton of listener questions. We we really enjoy these. So please, please, please leave a comment under this video, or if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave a comment or a question. And of course, if you know us, text us, ask us these questions, we would love to answer them. Mm-hmm. So this is actually from the Spotify. This is a Q&A portion of our Spotify. If you're on there, rate us five stars while you're there. But the question is the impact of social media on recruiting. Ooh. For years, coaches always warned against athletes and what they posted. Now with NIL deals, it's almost rewarded. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is a slippery slope that I also tend to fall in sometimes. Uh-huh. But you want you want to be careful with your social media. Obviously, you shouldn't be posting things that are one illegal. Don't do it, young softball players. And two, what's illegal? Th- oh, I mean, oh, like, drinking. like drinking. Yeah. You oh, okay. Even when you're over 21. I, I don't think yeah. you should be having drinks in your photos. Um, it's just unprofessional. Also, it's, it's so hard because like Livy Dunn, we talked about her last episode like she became famous because she's a gorgeous girl, like she own it, like I love that she's owning mm-hmm. it but if you're not at her status and you're posting photos like that, it sucks, it really sucks again, this is my issue with society it's not really softball, it's society that yeah. you're looked at differently if you don't have the same amount of followers because you're posting in that way but on recruiting wise, I mean you, I kind of like to think About it, like, are your parents going to be okay if you see this? And if the answer is yes, then I think for sure go post for it. But If you're like, no, I don't want my dad seeing that, then odds are you shouldn't be posting it.
0: And recognizing that it's going to be there forever. And I would also just say that use those platforms to brand the best parts of yourself, the parts that you want to stick behind forever. And whatever that means, whether that's family, whether whether that's relationships, whether that's hard work, which is a little tricky as well. Mm -hmm. I, I understand why recruits post videos of themselves working out and doing things because it almost feels like it's kind of like groupthink. Like if other people are doing it, you need to do it. I also don't know how coaches feel about that, so I cannot speak to that at all. Recruiting is so different now these days, especially yeah. with the teams
1: that I coach when I go back home. It's like before, I like never used my Twitter for softball. Now it's like you have a whole account just for softball. You're posting your games. You're posting your workouts, like you said. So it's like a whole new world out there.
0: And that, I think, was sprouted based on COVID mm-hmm. and coaches' inability to go out and recruit as much. And so I think it's an amazing thing for players who maybe – Could slip under the cracks to post game footage and maybe that's the one eye that you get on that video and now you're on the radar of a a team Uh, but i i would hesitate to post a pointless like hey i'm working hard video unless it's like actual content that coaches want to see like if you're lifting 300 pounds post that for sure but if it's if it's like you're doing ladders and box jumps just to say hey coaches i'm working hard it i think it sometimes for coaches can come across as inauthentic mm-hmm. and that's what you need to have at the forefront if you're doing social media is try to be as authentic as you possibly can. And I think it's probably different for every coach, right? Like a younger coaches probably understand that world, whereas older coaches might not understand that as much. So I would say just the impact of it is ever changing. So just keep your kind of eye on the pulse of how things are moving. Uh, I know that's difficult, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. be proud of yourself, brand yourself in the best way you can. Our next question comes from a former teammate, Dom Salinas, who is now a mental strength coach is she's studying to be a doctor in psychology and so if anyone wants to reach out to her she mentors people and helps teams as well but she asked a really good question that i would love for us to talk about and it is how does duke prioritize mental health Mm -hmm. because this is not a part of the question but but because it is such a hot topic in college athletics right now and a lot of teams claim to make it a priority but she was wondering how does duke prioritize mental health
1: yeah. Well, things haven't really changed since he left, so it's about the same. We have about every two weeks a sports psychologist who comes to our team and gives us like an hour session, like whole team included, no coaches, and just how can we build our team trust, how can we build our team chemistry, All any problems that we might have, and we go and we're able to talk to her. Shout out Stephanie. We also have like a sports psychologist, like just department, that we're able to go and see psychologists – have therapy sessions whenever we want we can sign up and I think there's just so many people here that you can talk to it they don't even have to have the title and everyone here wants to help you out
0: I could not agree more from my experience too and a lot of colleges talk the talk but Mm -hmm. Duke walks the walk the late Greg Dale who was our sports psychologist while I was there was a massive mentor and one of the most amazing people I've ever had in my life. And without him, Duke softball is not where it is today. I am not the woman I am today. And so as far as how Duke prioritizes mental health, it is at the forefront of everything we do. And also it is welcomed by Coach Young as well. I mean, the coaching staff this year is very accepting. A mental health day, if
1: I was to just go and be like, Coach, I'm not feeling it. She's just like, what's going on? I tell her, she's like,
0: all right. And we're so thankful for Duke. So grateful that they have prioritized. It. And we hope that other schools do the same and they follow suit. I would love to hear if any current players are listening or watching, please let us know how your schools are prioritizing mental health. Our next listener question comes from a former teammate as well, Kylie Caulfelt who we answered one of her questions last week, but she is a coach of a, a youth team right now. And so if you are one of Kylie's players, thank you so much for tuning in. But this question is for you all, or the answer is for you all. Think back to when you were a kid and have the dream of playing college softball. What was the biggest factor to help you make your dream a reality? I think it was just constantly working.
1: Around eighth grade, I found a really good trainer. Shout out Chris De La Rosa. I found him and our personalities just stuck and he really honed in. And like I had bad days. I had days where I did not want to be there. I was moody. I was upset with my performance. But he reminded me, hey, like if you want to get to where you're going to be and where you have the potential to be, you need to stick through these. You need to stick through the hard days, stick through those hard moments and just continue to work and it'll pan out. And I think for young players, when you have a coach or find a coach that just really connects, really puts their time into you, then that's when you start seeing the growth. And that's when you start like, wow, I can do this and they will help you. You need you need to lean on your village.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more about leaning on your village and I think for me the biggest factor was a match between me innately wanting it for as long as I can remember but also not it would not have been possible without the people in my life without my parents who drove me everywhere without youth coaches coach tut if you're listening always being willing to throw me front toss always being willing to work with me I can name about 15 other youth coaches that I had that were invested Invested in me, my parents were invested with their time, their money. Not only do you need the innate, you know, want and desire to play at the next level, and that's that's you can't get there without that because you're gonna have hard days, but Mm -hmm. you also need to be thankful and grateful and lean into your village as much as you can. I cannot agree more. Our final listener question is as we begin the high school softball season are there any daily team bonding building activities that you can think of that really impacted you both in high school travel or in college that helped emphasize the importance of commitment mm. and trust among the team? So this comes from my former travel coach, who's a currently a high school coach. So a really good thing for youth coaches to do is to have your team create a mantra and have that mantra, mm. like Duke has one every single year, but have that mantra be from working from top to bottom, what you want at the end of the year. Do you want want to win a state championship? Do you want to win the district title? Do you want to win PGF, right? And then kind of trickling your way down and figuring out what on a daily basis do you need to do to put yourself in the best position to win that title or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And creating a mantra that embodies that entire kind of tree of of a strategy. And so that everyone is reminded every day. And it also cannot come from the coaches. That is, players need to, coaches can be a part of this process. They can be writing stuff down as the players are saying it, but the players all have to be bought into the mantra. That has been the most impactful thing for me as as an athlete was to have one of those mantras to always lean on. For example, in high school, ours was moonshot it's a moonshot to win the championship but we believe and that's all that matters but yeah that's that's what impacted me the most i want to add
1: on to that because i like how you said like every team has to have one so for us at duke like every year we don't have the same motto it's a different motto and it's because when one person leaves the team changes the chemistry changes Mm -hmm. no matter how many returners come back so it's a new team new motto new mission this year for us we are unleash. I think last year, like you, we mentioned before, a lot of seniors left. We're like, oh, I'm not sure if we're going to be good in this year. It's like we already proved what we can do. Now it's just unleash. Like at this point, there's nothing holding us back. So, every high school team, every travel ball team, get together, get with your teammates, try to figure out what you want to be. I love that.
0: Well, folks, thank you so much for listening, watching, viewing and subscribing. Remember, you can follow us at SB Speak Easy so you don't miss any of the action. Wherever you get your podcast, if you could just show us some love, comment, like greatest five stars that would mean the world keep an eye out for that bonus episode with two professional softball players and former teammates coming out in the next couple of weeks thank you so much again for listening watching viewing and subscribing for kelly i'm rain and we'll see you next wednesday on softball speak easy peace